Matt Calhoun has spent the past 20 years working in the financial services industry as a financial advisor. Prior to joining the Edward George Wealth Management Group, Matt worked with Morgan Stanley, where he obtained the title of vice president. Matt earned his bachelor's degree in business education from the Ohio State University. While at OSU, he was a member of the football team, where he started as a fullback. After college, Matt pursued a career in the NFL, spending time with the New York Giants and the Jacksonville Jaguars. You're listening to First Responders Bridge, the podcast. Matt, we really appreciate you joining us today. Uh, could you start out by introducing yourself and sharing a little bit about your background? Yes. Um, I uh, grew up here in central Ohio, graduated from Heath High School as I was, I think, in the introduction, you know, I played at Ohio State and um, from there went on into the financial industry. was at Morgan Stanley for um, about 15 years at Morgan Stanley and then left to partner with my former teammate, Eddie George, and went to work with him with Edward George Wealth Management. From there, uh, Eddie went into where he's currently at, uh, coaching football at Tennessee State University down awesome. in Nashville. And I went on to now I'm at Cambridge and uh, financial uh, research and I'm a financial advisor where I uh, do a lot of my work with first responders and um, was brought on by the FOP Lodge number nine to help oversee their 457 plan and also be a resource to the uh, all the members of the lodge uh, for you know, financial uh, planning, financial help. We appreciate that. Thank you. Matt, can you talk a little bit about what inspired you to work with first responders specifically and, you know, helping them reach their financial goals? Yeah. Uh, gr- growing up in in high school, my uh, one of my best friends, he's now a Columbus firefighter. My um, roommate in college for a couple of years is a, um, a police officer. And then just through um, them and through um, just connections and relationships have grown to uh, become pretty good friends with quite a few first responders. And when Eddie and I joined uh, or partnered up together, one of my other uh, friends who's an officer for the Dublin Police um, Force you know, recommended I go speak to uh, the FOP because uh, he saw this, uh, this was a need for help with first, you know, for the officers getting ready to retire and some retirement planning. So we went over and uh, met with uh, with um, Keith Farrell at the time was the president or actually vice president. And after doing um, some due diligence on us for a while, I uh, came back and they brought us on to uh, help them with their 457 plan and to be a resource to the uh, members. I always say there's no substitute for experience, and you've got uh, decades of experience in financial planning, financial advising. Do you see unique challenges for first responders compared to other people that you work with? Yeah, there's actually two issues that stick out uh, working with first responders. Uh, One of them, when you're getting into retirement planning, uh, one of them is... uh, they all of them seem to retire at a young age compared to uh, many other professions. You got a lot of people retiring in their early to mid fifties, and that's not necessarily the case out, you know, in some of the uh, other occupations out there. So retiring early, you've got that money 
has to last longer for you. And so that uh, can create some um, um, different uh, situations that you have to prepare for. Also, being um, retiring at such a young age, a lot of them will retire on to something else, mm-hmm. um, whether it's for need or just want, you know, they're young, wanting to stay busy, they're go get into something else. And that comes into the whole financial planning uh, as well. The other issue with first responders is um, because of the nature of the job, health issues. A lot of them are facing health issues at a younger age uh, than maybe somebody outside of that field. And um, health care and that sort of thing becomes a becomes a pretty important issue as well. Yeah, that's great. We've heard some of our other guests have talk, talked about health issues with first responders at an earlier age. So um, the great points that you bring up there. Um, you know, I've only been living on my own for about three years now. And as I was leading up to that, um, one th- piece of advice I was always told was to have an emergency fund set back so that I have money in case I need it, right, in case of an emergency. Um, so especially given the nature of the work of first responders, how important is it to have money set behind for that? And what advice would you give us to, to helping them achieve that? Yeah, uh, it's, it is important for them, um, and maybe even more so than, again, some other professions because of the nature of what they do and the chances that something happens where they are off work uh, for a time, you know, some di- you know disability. So they want to make sure they got the proper insurance and the coverage, but also a lot of times that might not cover the full amount of income loss. And there could be periods of time where uh, they need something there to help um, with that shortfall for that, for that temporary shortfall. And it's important to have uh, a safety net, uh, something cash reserves that they can draw on in case those situations happen. And we typically, with a typical client, and the recommendation is three to six months of living expenses that you want as a um, as a reserve. But with first responders, it's we push more to that six months to even a little bit more because of the chances that they might have to draw on that, or maybe a little bit higher than some other uh, occupations. That's very true. Matt, I've also just asked my wife. I've only been living on my own for a few years as well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I guess especially in this uh, economic climate that we're in with interest rates where they are, home values, um, the great resignation, all of those things. Are there uh, specific investment vehicles or strategies that you suggest for first responders? Um, With... This would be first responders, but basically all uh, investors. First thing we do or I do is look and find out someone's situation first. Find out, kind of get a game plan, a financial plan. And you're gathering where they are financially, their goals, their risk. Once you have that set, picking the right arrows out of the quiver is pretty easy. And so everybody's different. So I don't want to say there's some, some magic bullet that, um, some type of investment out there that's, uh, you know, fits everybody, but there are some things, uh, that we use that are more prevalent with, uh, first responders. One of the investments we use a lot, um, when it comes to, uh, retirement 
is uh, we're used, and sometimes it's in place of um, money they could have in their drop. And we'll look at this, and I think we're probably eventually be talking about the drop. Yep. Um, but one of the one of the issues with the drop, I mean, one of the very few. It's a great vehicle, but sometimes the rates that they're paying, there's maybe better opportunities outside. So there's some vehicles that give you that principal protection that might be paying a little bit more than what we're seeing in uh, maybe the drop program. And that and this those rates change, so this is something that. Right. Um, could change, but we use uh, it's actually a it's a fixed indexed annuity we use quite a bit. There's all different types of them. Not you know, there's all different types of carriers of that, but what it is basically is it gives you that hundred percent principal protection. It's very low cost. It's basically like a CD. It's there's not you can add different bells and whistles and add cost to it, but without that, it's you know it's very low cost. But instead of being you know set on a, some low rate. You've got the opportunity to to have a um, more upside, and and they also have different options. But you can get if we have that same protection, but have a chance to actually have significant more upside. That's something we might use a portion for uh, for not right. maybe not move everything into that, but it's something the vehicle we can use for a portion of somebody's investment vehicle or investment portfolio. Just one of the vehicles that we use that, again, it's not for everybody, but it's something that a lot of people aren't real familiar with. And there are a lot of different investments out there that most people aren't familiar with um, that can make a lot of sense. Um, won't get into that tonight because that's you know way too much. Um, yeah. <laughs> but there are some things that when you're talking with your advisor, uh, depending on whether you need safety or it's income or you're looking for more growth potential or a combination of all there are some uh, pretty um um compelling um investments out there that to, that's worth taking a look at thank you uh matt you when i was uh growing up i heard i would hear a lot of times you know my dad's with the city you'd hear um getting in drop getting in drop right um got to get in drop for my last eight years and i was like i didn't know what any of that meant i just thought it was a cool word mm -hmm. but it actually means um deferred retirement option plan can you talk a little more and i know we mentioned it before can you talk a little bit more in depth about what that is and when you join it and what that okay. looks like yeah so the drop program it's a um another retirement benefit so Somebody say gets twenty five years into the business or into uh, their career, uh, and they can choose to go into the drop, which what that means is their pension will stop at that point. Okay, so say they're twenty five years in, their pension will stop. It will st stop at that point, and they start working to get their their income, and then that pension money will start getting paid into this drop account and so now they're working and they're they're making um their salary plus the money from the pension that is getting paid out and it's getting paid into this um this uh, drop account which grows tax deferred it earns a interest rate on it um and there's also there's the pension money going in there is the money that the officers contribute on their paychecks to the police and fire portion, I think it's 12 and a quarter percent. The first three years, half of that goes into the drop bucket. Wow. 
And then years four and five, 75% go of that goes into drop bucket bucket. Then six, seven, and eight, hundred percent of that money that was going to the police and fire, that 12 and a quarter percent goes into that drop bucket where it's earning that interest and the money that's being put in for their pension. So you get a really nice, when you retire, whether it's five years, six, seven, eight years, you have a real nice lump sum that's available to you. Uh, that's sitting there growing tax deferred and that's earning a, an interest rate. And, you know, you've got principal protected. You're, it's like a fixed account. So you're not going to lose on that. And that's for police and fire. That's for police and fire. That's correct. Okay. And I know, um, it's interesting, you know, we, uh, you look around the country in different professions since 2020, a lot of people deciding to, uh, leave and as it pertains specifically to drop, uh, read something the other day that, um, the average time in drop used to be about eight years and now it's about five years. Um, and so I would imagine that has something to do with the stress of the job, um, but what have you seen as pros and cons to deferred retirement in public safety? Um, the benefits uh, are you got excellent benefits and retirement benefits through the pension. The pension's f- fabulous. Then you have the access to a you know four fifty seven plan, which is a deferred comp plan. And then, then the drop, um, and the drop itself, like I said, there, and we just explained how, how it works. You know, there's plenty of positives. Like I said, it grows tax deferred. Um, you, it's principal protected. It means you, it doesn't matter what the market's doing. you you can't lose money. Uh, it's going to be a conservative investment. Um, and then when you retire and if you do retire below, or before the age of 59 and a half, just like the 457 deferred comp plan, you can have access to it without penalty before 59 and a half. That's a big benefit because if you move it to an IRA, if you want it before 59 and a half, you're going to have to pay a penalty. So that's another benefit of that, that drop in it and the 457 plan that's offered. The, you know, the, the cons, the only con I can really think of when it comes to the drop is typically the, the rates are, um, sometimes you can find higher rates elsewhere. Um, and it's a conservative investment, but I wouldn't necessarily call that a con. It's just like, maybe it could be a little bit, a little bit better, but it's not a, any, it's certainly not a reason not to take advantage of it. So, um, uh, there are a lot, you guys, these first responders put a lot online every day and, um, you do it for, you're not going to do it to become a millionaire, but as far as retirement ben- benefits go, um, I think they're, they're pretty strong. And I rarely sit down with, with, uh, first responders doing financial plans and people that have done anything at all usually they're in pretty decent shape. Um, usually, and the big reason for that is is the pension. You know, the pension is going to keep you from ever being destitute. Right. And it's there's just not many pensions around anymore, especially that strong that they have. Right. And that's a huge perk. And if you can put a little bit aside away yourself, you're usually going to be in pretty good shape if you can control your spending, which uh, yeah. I think most of, them, most of them do. 
Yeah, the 59 and a half uh, point that you made, I, I don't think a lot of people remember that. And that is huge. That is huge. I've seen a lot of people make that mistake there. And that's why when you're working with an advisor, um, one, they need to make sure they understand um, the vehicles. But that could be, you know, we get somebody, you retire at 54 and, well, let's roll this money out and you move it to an IRA. And then you need the money before 59 and a half. You got to pay a 10% penalty if you would have kept it in there or kept it in your deferred comp. You could get to it without penalty. And so that's something to really consider. And a lot of people um, uh, have made mistakes in the past by doing that. Then they end up paying for it when they need to get their money before. Yeah. I want to shift gears uh, quickly and talk a little bit about making donations. Mm -hmm. Um, At the bridge ourselves now, we're able to accept gifts of stock, um, appreciated assets, and then qualified charitable distributions. Mm -hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about the tax advantages of that and then um, people who want to donate these things to nonprofits like The Bridge? Yep, sure. Yeah, when you are looking at making donations um, and you have typically you know, a appreciated asset. Mm-hmm. So if you have a, a house and you got appreciation on it and you go to sell it to get the cash, you've got to pay taxes on those capital gains. But you can, if you donate the appreciated asset, you can donate it and you can get the, the tax write-off for the donation, the charitable uh, donation, but you're you you know you're never going to get a tax write-off. You don't have to pay the taxes and you're, you get to make the donation to the charity of, that you're, of your choice. The um, qualified distribution or the qualified... Um, uh, qualified the, charitable, charitable distribution. distribution yeah. yeah. That is... If you are 70 and a half or older and you have an IRA, you can move money from your out of your IRA, make a contribution to a charity. And again, it counts. Um, you can you get your tax deduction for the contribution to the charity, but you don't have to pay taxes on that withdrawal. And so you get a benefit there um, of the tax deduction. If you are 73 and you do that, you can, that can even count for your uh, minimum required distribution, which is something that you reach at 73 years of age. You are required by the IRS to start withdrawing money out of your IRA, whether you need it or not, because they want their tax revenue. You can part of you know you can use that. Um, distribution to the charity and it, it counts as the part uh, that is required to be taken, but you're not paying taxes on it. So it's a way you can wow. actually uh, get money out of your IRA without having to pay the taxes when you pull it out. And again, you get to distribute your counts as a uh, um, you can or tax deduction for your income. Um. Yeah, I mentioned a little bit about some of the uh, challenges. Uh, you know, I often say when I I have uh, kids in their 20s, and so some of them are just graduating from college or a few years out of college, and I, I know when uh, my wife and I bought our first house what interest rates were and what house mm-hmm. prices were, and I look at these kids coming out of college, and I think to myself, how can they afford a home now? But 
given the financial landscape that we are currently in, do you see or do you believe, are there any changes in um, financial advising that you think are going to impact, these changes are going to impact what you do or what you advise people to do? Um, As far as interest rates go, the... This is something that um, right now housing it's the when they least affordable and it's it could be since they started tracking it affordability wow um, when it comes to because yeah, the prices are still going up yeah the housing prices are still going up and so the affordability they do this ratio to get the affordability it's the we're at the least that it's ever been now. I do believe um, you will start to see rates start to come down probably next year. Um, inflation, out, I'll, they just came out with numbers today. There's, you're starting to see some see that come back down. And if you look at the leading indicators, they've already come down substantially. If you look back and you look at commodity prices over a lot of these different commodity prices, copper, they're, they're way down from when they were at the peaks. Um but a lot of these, uh, a lot of the data is showing that the that the um, um, the inflation is coming down. Data is starting to show that the economy is slowing down. Um, eventually, that's going to learn, we're going to be going into lower interest rates, which will um, affect what mortgage rates are. Those are usually dictated off of about the 10 year the you know the fed rates they all play into each other they're not directly tied but they play into each other and as rates come down you're going to start to see that be hopefully be a little bit more affordable uh, changes just going forward in financial planning itself the biggest thing the biggest unknown and the biggest concern of a lot of people first responders to once they retire um, is health care and the cost of health care. Mm. And that's just something you're, you're taking a wild stab at it when you're trying to project the cost of that in five, 10 years. And so we run a bunch of different scenarios and try to look at worst case scenarios, but that's just something, unless something changes and gets done, that's a big issue. Another big issue more down the road, but eventually is going to come to head is we got to do something about social security. I mean, what's going to happen with that? Now that isn't a big impact on first responders because you don't deal with that, but in the industry, um, you know, Social Security eventually is going to something's going to change, and it's got to change. And they could uh, most likely be whether it's pushing years back to to retirement or reducing payouts or a combination. But that's going to change things for people because a lot of people depend on that uh, very much so for their retirement. So those are just two of the things in the industry or in that field that I think over the next several years could cause significant changes to people's uh, financial plans. Thank you. Matt, how can people contact you if they want to learn more about financial planning or get advice about, you know, their financial future? Yeah. Um, email is always a good way. My email is M Calhoun, just my name, M Calhoun at EG is in Eddie George, EG wealth.net. And then um, you can also, no, they can call me on my, call me. It's 614-325-2630. Awesome. 
Matt, thank you so much for talking with us, man. We appreciate it. Thank you. For all the first responders out there, uh, I know I've talked to a lot of people with uh, FOP Lodge that uh, seek your guidance and are very appreciative and uh, speak very highly of the guidance you give them. So if you're listening, uh, please uh, write down those numbers, email address, and reach out to Matt, uh, especially for uh, your financial future. Yeah, actually, one other way to contact me, I think, coming up in January, will be just come over to the lodge. I'll be moving my office. The plan is right now in early January, my office will be in the lodge. So it'll be very, oh, very accessible cool. to uh, all the uh, members of the lodge. That's great. For those in Central Ohio, that's uh, FOP Lodge Number 9 on Schrock Road in sure. Westerville. Awesome. Yeah, that's going to be really cool. Um, yeah, and, and one of the things they talk about at the retreats is how financial stressors is one of the biggest things that first responders talk about. One of the biggest things we get on our, you know, our uh, notes afterwards, finances are a stressor, finances for a stressor. So to be able to um, have this conversation, you know, and talk about that and get this out there, that's, that's going to be really cool. I think it's really, really needed. Um, But guys, before we finish up here, I want to do our praise of the day. Again, we love doing these every single week. They're awesome. Um, This one's out of Boston, Massachusetts, where a firefighter, Daniel Loring was at home with his wife and son where he observed his neighbor's house just on fire, just caught on fire. And Loring ran to investigate and found flames and smoke coming from the kitchen in the living room. And he heard his neighbor yell from an upstairs window uh, for help. And his neighbor had her 18-month-old child with her. And she was able to drop the baby from the second-story window to the firefighter. And, um, yeah, the baby was dropped without injury, and they were able to... uh, get them out. So just very, very heroic actions there from that firefighter um, in Boston, Daniel Loring. So job well done for him. And uh, again, Matt, we're so thankful that you came to uh, talk to us about one of the biggest stressors that first responders face. Well, thank you. I was very happy to be here. And if anybody needs some assistance, I'm here for them. We appreciate it, Matt. Thanks very much. You're listening to First Responders Bridge, the podcast.